I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined with my husband and co-host, Josiah Keneally. Josiah, how are you? Here we are. Here we go. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well because I found out who we were tuning in with today, and she's an amazing individual. I love meeting with females. We have many men that we get to interview, but there's always something special about a female voice, a female inspiration. And Josiah, who is our special guest behind the scenes today? Well, I'll say hi to Kate Warman in just a second. I'll introduce her, but Kate, how are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing amazing. It is sunny in Los Angeles today, and I just love sunshine. That's why I live out here, (laughs) because it's always sunny. (laughs) Send some sunshine our way when you get a second, because we are in Minnesota. There's snow, but it's all right. There's four distinct seasons. It's all good. Yes. And I love the four seasons. So, you know, it's a trade-off. <laughs> right. It's called travel. <laughs> well, we're going to have a great conversation with Kate today. And Kate, by the way, is an inspirational speaker. She's a relationship coach, and she's also the host of the popular podcast called The Heart of Dating. She helps thousands of men and women on their journeys through these conversations on her podcast, social media platforms, one-on-one relationship coaching, and online courses. She lives in, like she mentioned, sunny Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. California. And in addition to sunshine, she loves walks, Jesus, and listening to Celine Dion. So near, far, wherever you are. Wherever you are. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And Kate, welcome to the show. Oh, Josiah, that just made me so happy right there. We set this recording off right, okay? He was so excited. He's like, I have a great way to start this. I'm like, okay, if you're going to sing, you go right ahead. Hey, transitions are important. They are. And we're going to transition into you <laughs> learning and hearing more about you, more about your story. Would you just be willing to share with the audience maybe just your faith journey, leadership, and anything else you want to share with us today? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So hi guys. So excited to be here. And I, I, what I will say, and I know a lot of people say things like this, but a few years ago, I never saw myself being a relationship coach, being a single woman, talking about dating, stepping into what God has called me to do right now. Uh, I actually would have laughed. And in fact, I did laugh. I had my mentor and a few people speak into me a few years ago being like, Kate, your story, your journey, me, I think you're supposed to speak on dating. I think your story is supposed to help people in this area. And I was like, heck no, that is not what I want to do. Okay. Like, are you kidding me? That's just for me and my people and God, like that's not for anybody else to hear. So, um, to back that up a little bit, I grew up all across the U S I've lived in many different places, but I came from a family where my dad was not a Christian. My mom was a Christian mm-hmm. and kind of had to navigate those dynamics. Um, when I was, I believe around 19, my parents got divorced and I was, uh, I basically became on a journey of figuring out who I was in Christ. So I grew up Catholic and um, it was really in high school where we moved from Connecticut where lots of people are Catholic actually on the East coast and the Northeast. They migrated from I- Ireland and Italy and all of that. So there's lots of Catholics. 
Yeah. In the Northeast. And so we moved to Ohio and I started going to non-denominational churches. I started leaving the Catholic church at that point in time. But I would say that I really didn't come to know God until about five or six years after that. Um, I moved to New York City after college. And at that point in time, I was in a relationship. And this is a part of my testimony. At that point in time, I was in an abusive relationship. And um, it was abusive in basically every sense of the word spiritually, um, emotionally, sexually, and physically abusive. And I was in that relationship for about two and a half years, just struggling along, going to church in New York City, um, trying to have community and at the and thriving in my career. I worked in fashion at the time, but behind the scenes, I was struggling. I hated myself. I was so insecure. I was so distraught. I felt at different points that I didn't understand what was going on because this guy, this man was gaslighting me, which is a term for emotional abuse where somebody consistently deflects what's going on onto you. They basically discount what you're saying by telling you you're making it up. That That's crazy. Or why are you so dramatic? And their actual needs and actual real things that you have or things that are happening and they just do not take any ownership of it. Over time, that can make you start questioning yourself and your ability to trust yourself. And so even though outwardly I was looking like I was thriving, inwardly I was disintegrating. Inwardly, I was losing myself entirely. I questioned God. I questioned who I was. And it wasn't till really after that relationship, which whole separate story took me a long time to get out of that and really heal from that. But it was after that relationship, I ended up going on a retreat for this church and it was hearing the voice of God retreat. And I was like, that sounds like something I need right now. Um, Let's do that. You know, Um, because even though I knew God was around, it wasn't, I didn't, I couldn't hear him. Like I knew that he was probably there somewhere, but I didn't feel him in my heart. I felt so separated from him basically because of all the shame that I had felt from all the years of being in that abusive relationship and all the ways I hated myself up until that point. So I went on this retreat and it was for the first time that I really felt and accepted the Holy Spirit into my heart and felt God speak to me in such a profound way. And it was at that point that I started going on a journey of healing, inner healing, rebuilding my identity, trying to see myself as the woman that God created me to be and removing all the labels, all the identities, all the lies that I had come to believe over the past X amount of years. I was in my mid-20s at this point. And so just to flash forward to today, I went on a journey of healing, which um, led me to not dating at all for many years. And eventually I felt ready to date again. Uh, And that's what led me to basically research everything that there is to know about dating, Christian dating, relationships. How do you do this thing right? I was just not willing to get into another unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's more parts to that story, but that's kind of what led me here today, you guys, because I realized there just wasn't enough resources to really help men and women, Christian men and women navigate this weird world of Christian dating. So that's what brings me to you guys today in doing Heart of Dating. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you have said yes and taken the time to be with us to invest mm-hmm. in our community of young leaders. And Kate, it's a journey that like, yeah. you brought us to one moment in your story where I was just picturing this, where like on the outside, everything looks perfect. Mm -hmm. externally flawless and then yet on the inside 
there was some loneliness, there was hurt, insecurity, emptiness, mm. heartbreak, and rejection. Mm. And um, you've recently written a book that I believe is out now, correct? Yeah. 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 Yep. <laughs> and so what is amazing is it's called Thank You for Rejecting Me. And one of my favorite quotes Kate, of all time comes from a guest who's been on this podcast, one of our friends, Ken Coleman. He's a career coach. And he says this, turn rejection into redirection. Mm-hmm. And you've done, Kate, just mm-hmm. that. And you've also written a book called Thank You mm-hmm. for Rejecting Me. And that's <laughs> countercultural in the purest sense. Yeah. And that's not how most individuals would respond mm-hmm. to pain, mm-hmm. heartbreak, hurt, rejection. And so can you take us there and share what spurred you on? I mean, you, you glossed over it, but can you just dive into what spurred you on to write this message? Yeah. So today I'm a dating coach. I help a lot of men and women, both um, globally through my podcast and through different programs, but also individually and one-on-one. And a lot of people come to me being like, Kate, like they want me to be Will Smith in the movie Hitch. They want me to just like, you were kind (laughs) of like Hitch. The female hitch. Um, So that's what they want me to be. They're like, can you be the Christian female hitch? And the thing about it is, I mean, I can get anybody a date. Like, I mean, I don't think it's actually that hard to put yourself out there and get a date. If you, it's a numbers game in that capacity. However, what is more important than just getting a date is to really be able to analyze what's going on when it doesn't work out. Because I think (laughs) what we often do is we put so much expectation, especially as Christians on those dates. And when it doesn't work out, even if it's a first date or just an online dating interaction where it never turns into a date, or if you are dating someone for a few Um, over a few dates or a few months and it doesn't work out, it leads us to feeling destroyed after that. And so what I do in relationship coaching is we don't just address your relationship externally to you, meaning your relationship with others. We first address your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself. Um, Because if you don't have the right image of God, meaning that you think that God is bad or that he's withholding from you because you're still single and you're 20 20 whatever years old or you're in your 30s or even in your 40s, we have to work on how you're viewing God and God's goodness and his faithfulness to you first. Um, And secondly, your image of yourself and your relationship with yourself. So what do you truly think about yourself? What do you, what are the kinds of things you're saying to yourself? Do you actually feel confident when you are putting yourself out there? All of those things. And so when I was doing relationship coaching, or as I've been doing relationship coaching, I realized that it's way more important to work on the relationship with God and our relationship with ourselves than it is just your relationship with other people. So we, so, and that's where rejection comes in because oftentimes there's two parts to rejection. Either we get externally rejected by somebody and that's something that we absolutely cannot control. So if somebody doesn't want to go out with us, we don't have control over that. You know, I can't, unless we try to be all, all sorts of weirdly manipulative, I have no ability to make that person go out with me. Right. That is an external rejection. Um, and I'm just speaking in a dating scenario, rejection happens all over the place with jobs or with friendships or with family. Um, Or with just small things, like everyday things. Someone looks at you the wrong way at the grocery store and you're like, oh my gosh, like I feel a little rejected by that person. Did I do something? Did I, am I missing something here? And so rejections, external rejections, we can't control those. The other side of rejection is internal rejections and the way we're, ways we're internally rejecting ourselves before 
other people even have a chance to reject us. And that happens with what we think about ourselves, with the messages, the internal lies and the inner beliefs that we have about ourselves, about our bodies, about, um, about how we're showing up, about our personalities, about how God sees us, mm-hmm. all of those things. And all of those elements, the external and internal rejections are impacting how we are showing up in our lives and then in dating, obviously in our dating lives. So what I've learned through my life, it's been plagued with all sorts of rejections. And the book is separated into 11 chapters of different kinds of life rejections. And not only are there external rejections in the book, but they're internal rejections. So I actually start the book with ways that we self-reject through the ways we hate ourselves or we speak poorly about ourselves or also body image and insecurity because body image and body shame is one of the biggest ways that we shame ourselves and we think negatively about ourselves actually throughout life. And so for me, what's so important is to work with individuals and why I wrote this book is because I saw myself rejecting myself so consistently so that when I went into a situation with a man, for example, I was already thinking he's not really going to like me. He's not going to think I'm pretty enough. He's not going to think I'm interesting enough. I'm not going to be X enough, whatever that lie is, right? And so if he wasn't that interested in me, then that lie became my truth. Then I was like, well, I'm not pretty enough. And I'm, which then leads to I'm not pretty or I'm not interesting enough, which means that I don't have, I'm not unique and God didn't create me uniquely. I'm boring, right? It, then it spirals into, then I start showing up that way with future. So then I go out again and I try to put myself right. out there again. But now in my next time I'm putting myself out there, I already believe that those things are going to happen. I'm already thinking I'm not pretty enough. I'm not interesting enough again. And therefore it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you continue to believe those things about yourself. And that's what happened to me. I kept showing up thinking, man, if just this person will accept me, then my attitude about myself and the way I see myself and maybe the way God sees me will suddenly change. We put so much power in other people's hands when other people do not have the power to define us. And so the, so much of this book is to rewrite the um, amount of power that rejection has over us because it will continue to happen. You'll continue to be rejected in so many ways in life. But I wanted to equip people with the tools to say, hey, first, let's heal from some of the past rejections that have really plagued you. Let's also work through the ways in which you self-reject. And then not only that, let's prepare for the future because rejection will continue to happen, but it does not have to take you down. And I truly believe that you guys, I'm sure we'll get into more details, but even this last year, I went through a major breakup and I can still sit here in front of you guys today, single woman running a dating ministry, launching a book on rejection and say that was really painful and Mm -hmm. really hard and it didn't destroy me. You know, it didn't just what I think about myself. So yeah, that's why I wrote this book, you guys. <laughs> that is so good, Kate. And you touched on something that I believe so much, so strongly, and it comes up from time to time on this podcast, and that's our thought life, yes. positive thinking. And I, I wrote this down, a thought that I had just now come to me that our thoughts are a titanic force, like a tidal wave. Like yes, our wow. thoughts are so significant. And man, the, the mind is a, a battlefield. It really is. And so I love that you've touched on that, that you've brought, brought up a great topic, mm-hmm. a great conversation. And we're excited to dive more into that. Right. Well, I think you said the word tidal wave. I think of, well, yeah, it starts as a tidal wave, but then you find yourself in an internal hurricane 
or like this tornado is going on inside of you and you have disqualified yourself before you've even other given others the chance to get to know you. So yeah. all that um, shaming of internal processing and external rejection sounds like we have the capacity and the capability to portray that onto somebody else about us. Like it's mm. almost like that mirror image bouncing off of like, they must hate me. They must think I'm this. And then you think everything and everyone is against you or not yeah. for you. And that's why I love the fact that you said we get down to the fact of who you are in Christ. When you understand who you are and whose you are, yeah. you will be confident in those relationships. You'll be confident in your own skin. You'll have the ability to tune into the Holy Spirit, to pray for those people before you date them, discerning the Holy Spirit. Lord, should I even go on this date? Should I even you know, trust this person? Should I put myself out there again? Is there more healing? And I think when we can identify who we are and whose we are, we begin to ask ourselves good reflective questions that aren't cutting ourselves down, but are like truly doing an internal inventory of our souls. And I think that's yeah. what many of us, whatever season you're in, we can, we can miss that mark or we can find ourselves in the hurricanes, you know, of that thought process and, and never get out, you know? So we mm -hmm. want to see that healing. We want to see that restoration. And Kate, we know that you're obviously the host of the heart of dating. You've talked a little bit about that and you are also the relationship coach. You touched on that, but what has this community taught you specifically about vulnerability and its significance? Yeah, that's such a good question. Uh, what was really interesting three years ago when I started Heart of Dating, first of all, I didn't want to. I was like, I felt this prompting on my heart from God. I was, to wrap it back into the rejection piece, I was going through a heartbreak actually at the time uh, three years ago, and I was healing from that and pressing into just finding my strength through God and and um, embracing that I don't need to know the why to why everything happens and that I can surrender that to God and just press in with him every day to figure out what to do to move forward. Now in that time is where I felt God was like, hey, I want you to start a podcast. And I was like, okay, that's weird. I've never owned a microphone. I don't know how to interview someone. And then it went to like, well, what, what should it be about? And I kept feeling over and over that should be about dating. Well, as I prayed about that, as I brought that to a few mentors and started getting confirmation, I felt very nervous. There was a lot of fear popping up of like, what are people going to think of you, Kate? You clearly don't have it all together. You have a story filled with bad dating situations and you failing at dating a lot. And so what credibility do you have to start a podcast on dating? And what I felt God so clearly say when I brought these things to him, he was like, Kate, first of all, if not you, who? Yeah. Uh, I... I am calling you and putting this on your heart for a reason. There are not many people doing this. And trust me that I will walk you through it each and every step of the way. And I also felt God t saying to me like, hey, if you look at your story that way um, and see all the fail, like the moments you failed, you can do that. Or you can see it as moments of victory because you've worked through it and you've healed through it. And I've been with you and I've brought you to the place that you are now, which isn't perfect, but I'm, I've, he was showing me that he had walked me through every step of the journey and that he would continue to do so and that I didn't need to be afraid because he had brought me already so far and he would continue to do that. So how I started the podcast was very much since episode one, hey guys, like I'm Kate, I'm a single woman and I'm navigating it with you. So I'm doing this because 
I want to have these conversations. I think you might want to as well, but I'm not going to sit here and say that I do everything perfect or that I know every single way it should be done. In fact, I don't think anybody does dating perfectly or knows every single way in which it should be done. And that's evidence through every story is different. Every love story happens so uniquely. Some people know from date one, some people take six months, some people break up and then come back together. Like God writes so many different love stories. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the beauty of relationships and dating and throughout Heart of Dating, I've just been really open to share how what I'm learning because that's kind of my favorite part of this process is sure today uh, people call me a dating expert and all of that because I, I do read a lot. I do know way more about dating than I ever have before. And I, I've coached so many different people. However, I'm still learning. I'm still a single person. I'm still learning. And that is what excites me because it gives me an ability to connect with the people that I'm serving in a way that says, doesn't say like, Hey, I've done it. And here's how you do it. But says, Hey, learn from the ways that I messed up, or I can have the empathy to sit with you in the pain you're feeling because I just went through that, or I really know what that's like, Mm -hmm. or I'm going through it right now. So I get what it's like to be single in a global pandemic and Mm -hmm. feel lonely and feel the weight of I'm in my thirties and when is, you know, what's going to happen next, you know, and I really desire marriage. So I think, uh, just being open and honest with that and realizing that the beauty is in the vulnerability, the, the vulnerability is how we connect and feel like God really is with us in the present, in the form of vulnerability is what I feel because that empathy of being feeling like somebody is walking with you there. I think that's the gift that God gives us by having the ability to be in community with others, to not just look at others, oh, they've done it all right, but to say, hey, this person really gets where I'm at and I really need to feel seen. Our core needs as human is to feel seen, heard, and loved, right? And so if we feel seen, if we feel heard, it just takes the pressure off of feeling like we're in this silo doing it all alone on the earth. So good. Wow, Kate. It's really fun to hear your insight and the journey that God has you on in this moment. And we've touched on these two powerful forces of acceptance and rejection. And I think that one of my off script questions that I've been like, okay, should I ask you this or should I not ask you this? And my perspective um, that I bring to the table in asking this question is my heart for people as a pastor. Mm-hmm. And so I've, um, Mike and I have just had an opportunity to be in a lot of different people's lives who are college students, young adults, to pastor them through um, the college season, early career, you know, becoming a couple. And in that, there's a lot of weddings. And I choose to not look at it as officiating a wedding, but rather like helping build a strong marriage. Mm -hmm. And one of the things in our culture today that is so, so prevalent, and I don't think it's inherently wrong at all, but it's online dating. Mm -hmm. And I think that the rise of technology, globalization, it's like, man, apps are everywhere. And Mm -hmm. among the millions of apps, there are hundreds, if not thousands Mm -hmm. Uh, very popular dating apps. And so it used to be the narrative of the norm. I met this person, the high school sweetheart, or in college, or at church, or in the community. And now we live in such a digital society where a lot of people are interacting, finding jobs, finding friends, finding communities to be a part of, and also finding their spouses or their dating companions 
through apps. And I would love to just hear your perspective as a dating coach who also is a Christian um, of just like, you know, what are your thoughts on online dating? And then also like, what is the Christian response to online dating? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love this because there's so many online dating myths and I've created courses on this and I love talking about online dating. So I'll try to keep it not an hour long because we can go so many places with online dating. I think there, just like anything, there's a benefit and a disadvantage to online dating. And I think that God works with technology. I mean, I have my entire platform, which it started through a podcast and social media that is all technology based. I would not be here in front of you guys, to be honest, without the technology. And exactly. I believe that God uses and moves through the technology. And do I think God like works through online dating? A hundred percent. And I don't just know that. I believe that. I know that because it's statistically true. Over 36% of people are meeting online. That's before 2020. Those stats right. are going up. And I don't even right. know the, the up-to-date stats with 2020 because we haven't got all of that in yet. But that has, I mean, I know that dating apps have exploded this last year from 2020 because of the global pandemic. And that's not just in the secular world, that's in the Christian world as well. Exactly. And so I truly believe that online dating can be an amazing place to meet people that it, we just need to go in with the right intentions. It's just with anything, you know, what are your intentions in using the app? Are you going on an online dating app because you feel desperate and because you feel like it's my last ditch effort and I just want to feel like somebody's going to like me because that's what you can do. Going through the swipes of whatever dating app you're on, it can sometimes feel like a validation hit. So you need to check in with your intentions. Why am I going on this dating app? If you can do that and you can honestly say, hey, I'm not going on for validation. I'm not going on because of desperation, but rather I'm going on to expand my reach. I'm going on as a means to meet people in a brand new way. There is nothing wrong with that. I do believe that we should be active in our dating life if we are actively wanting to pursue marriage. And so I don't believe in the whole, like, I'm just going to sit and wait on God and never talk to a man in my life and just expect for him to show up at the doorstep. Otherwise, unless you're marrying the Amazon dude that delivers stuff at your door, you're probably not going to meet someone, you know, especially in a global pandemic. So, um, I mean, Hey, all the more power to y'all. If you do meet and connect with the Amazon delivery person, great. But that's just probably not necessarily going to happen. It's just like anything else. You guys, if you want a job, you apply for it. You need to actively be in the process of applying for a job. If you want community, if you want to find the right church community, you go to different churches when you move to a new place and figure out what is the right church community for me. If I want friends, I'm not just going to sit at home and wait for friends to show up at my doorstep or to contact me. I need to actively pursue reaching out to people if I feel lonely, if I feel like I don't have community. It doesn't just magically happen. So I believe in being active in the dating process and I believe online dating is an epic way to be active, actively a part of searching for somebody and for that desire in your heart. Again, comes back to intention. So as a Christian, I would just say, you know, we just, all you need to do is come back to why are you on the app? And you also have to know, and this is where it's very important, just like anything, there are going to be people on there that you're not going to want to date. And guess what, you guys, 
you don't have to date them. Right. <laughs> like that's the thing. If there's a non-Christian on there, if there's someone who seems a little skeezy, whatever, if you feel uncomfortable, guess what? You do not have to date them. But that doesn't mean because you come in contact with a handful of frogs that everybody on a dating app is a frog. Like it's just not the truth. The statistics are 36% of people meet online or more exactly with 2020. It's more than that now. So we just have to keep that in perspective because are you going to give up on looking for a job if you get three no's? I hope you don't because you probably need a job and finances to survive, right? And you don't need a, you don't need a relationship to survive, but if that is important to you, don't give up just because you meet a handful of bad people, come in contact with some people who don't feel like the way you think they are or, or whatever, and, um, or who aren't who they say they are, I should say. Uh, so if you feel you do not have to go on a date with somebody, you don't have to, you don't have to do anything with that person. If you right. feel uncomfortable, if they are not a Christian, whatever it has, whatever it is. So I just like to empower people that, um, yes, manage your expectations. You're not going to get on a dating app and immediately match with the person that you're going to marry. It's probably not going to happen. So you have to have some grit and perseverance and know that there will be some frogs. And that doesn't mean that all online dating apps are bad. (laughs) Right. And just because somebody does pursue you on an app or in person does not mean that you need to say yes. I meet so many young girls that are just like, well, they said yes, and I'm too nice to say no. Or so I had to say yes. And it's like, well, I understand that you want to be married. I understand you want to be in the dating pool. I understand that your heart is right with God. But my question always is, have you prayed about it? So good. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about the guy that is trying to pursue you? Because what what are they doing? How are they living their life? If you can see their life and how they're living it, are they going to church? Do they have mentors? Do they truly love the Lord? Um, What is their past history? What is your past history? Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're running from relationship to relationship and you haven't changed, you're not pursuing God, you are what you attract on some levels, not every level, but I'm saying, yeah. You're in a pool of people where you've lowered your expectations of yourself. You lowered your expectations for the people that are pursuing you. Maybe you're still working through the who am I, whose am I? And like you said, Lord, search my heart. Why am I on this app? Because if I'm desperate, lonely, and just looking for the next, I guarantee those are the people that are going to come flying your way. So That's true. just yeah. making sure that you, know, that you are praying through that and you're so thinking like through that. that. And yeah, you can be in the dating pool, but... I've had many girls say too many yeses. And I remember when I was dating, before I was dating Josiah, I had five, I was praying like, Lord, I had a vision of him before I met him. And it was before I moved to Minneapolis, before I started going to school, all those different things. I'm like, Lord, if my husband is not in Bismarck, North Dakota, then take me to him and I will do what you want me to do. I will go where you want me to go. And I had this vision of um, this man, same hat right here, black and black twins hat, (laughs) black jacket on, on this bridge with the city in the background. And it was like cold. And he's like, Micah, I love you. And I held on to that vision. I'm like, God, I'm not going to run around looking for this person, but if he's not here, take me to him and prepare my heart in the process. And I remember once I, I did move, I enrolled in school. I went back to school, got another degree and I moved downtown Minneapolis. And that's where the dream was. I walked on this bridge and I just sat there in awe of like, and God spoke to me. He's like, Micah, your future spouse is here. And in my time, I will bring you to him. And that was in August and November, the first weekend of November of 2014. That's when I met him, saw him in person. 
But in the process of seeing him, knowing that what God had shown me, I had to pray for two things. One, I had to pray for, Lord, is this truly my husband? And if it is, you need to speak to him. And two, Lord, I'm just going to pray for him as a friend. And if these two things merge, a future spouse that you showed me in a vision and what he is as a friend right now, if those two merge, Lord, let it be so. And if they don't, correct me, correct me and tame my heart in the process. And I say that to say, when I started praying and fasting for my future spouse, and I was like, Lord, like you said, I don't want another crummy relationship. I don't want to waste yeah. any more time to come to a dead end and realize what are we doing here? If marriage is not the ultimate goal, what are we doing? And I remember I was praying and fasting 40 days on, 40 days off, 40 days on for three and a half years. I did that. And wow. I come across within a 24 hour, 12 hours. I wake up from my 7:30 class, step on into campus. I'm not even in the door yet. And this guy's like, Mike, I can't help but see like you're called the ministry and I'm called the missions. Like, do you want to get coffee sometime? And I had to know <laughs> in that moment that my answer was no, I'm not interested. I've been praying for somebody else. God's given me a vision. And granted, I never said that to Josiah or anybody else. And I didn't want to have a Joseph moment of like throwing my dreams out there too right. soon. But I wanted God to like make them happen in his time. And by noon, I was asked out by five guys in one day. Five guys. Wow. I called oh my one God. of my guy friends who knew I was praying for my future spouse. I'm like, Nate, I have five guys and no burgers and no fries. And he's like, what's that mean? I go, five guys, you know, the, the restaurant. I go, I have five guys. <laughs> no burgers, no fries. And I'm like, and the one that I've been praying for, I don't even know if I'm on his radar. And he's like, I'm a suck to be you. But in that process, I say that to say that God can miraculously give you a dream, give you a vision, give you a passion, give you a similar calling that aligns with each other. Even when you're discouraged, I didn't get married till I was 30. And I told myself, I'm never going to wait till I'm 30. Well, that was an inner vow that I took with the Lord, not something yeah. that the Lord agreed upon. So if you're listening, I just want to encourage you that God can move in miraculous ways and be praying for your future spouse and be praying mm. for yourself that you have eyes for only each other. Because when you do cross paths or if you are in a dating app and somebody does stand out to you, there may be a reason for that. Maybe it's a dead end. Yeah. Maybe it's you filling out that resume and having enough courage to get into that job interview and sit before those people and be like, okay, I didn't get the job, but my resume is full. You know what? I'm not in a relationship. Yeah. My heart yeah. is right with God. And Kate, mm. I just love what you're doing and just want to just continually um, encourage you that you are making a difference and you are touching many lives. And I always, I always said, I'm like, you know what? Everybody's like, Micah, I, I know that you're mentoring me and I dumped my boyfriend. I broke up with my boyfriend. I stopped sleeping with my boyfriend. I moved out of his apartment. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to make shirts that say, love me now or, or hate me now, love me later. <laughs> <laughs> because all these guys are like, you're going to tick off a lot of guys because all these girls you met. With. So I just want to encourage you that the words you do um, stay oh carry God. weight with your listeners and with the women mm -hmm. that you're leading. And I know that many people in that process, I'll stop rambling, but I just had to share that for whomever is listening. No, that's um, that, that they do experience heartbreak. And heartbreak yeah. is real. And I would just ask you, in what ways can heartbreak actually have the capacity to transform our lives in a positive way? 
Yeah. Okay. So I love this question because I've been through so many heartbreaks. I didn't share all of my story here today, but before that toxic relationship I mentioned at the beginning, I was dating for 10 years back to back without ever being single from basically 14 to 24. And so I've dated in every capacity. I've dated non-Christians, I've dated Christians, long distance, blind dates, online dates, all the things. Okay. And I've had many different heartbreaks, some of which I've been doing the breaking up, some of which they've been doing the breaking up with me. Mm-hmm. And so breakups, the weight of heartache is not lost on me at all. And I will say it to again, that in fact, in 2020, I was dating someone and this is where I'm at now as a dating coach, as somebody who feels really whole, very secure in my singleness and very, just like I love the season. And I met someone and I thought this could definitely be my person. I was in love with this person. We had a great relationship and seven months in, he ended things that for me out of nowhere. And so that was in the fall of 2020. And so I sit here today to say like, Hey, that still happens to me. It can still happen. And while that may, that has a propensity to feel so devastating after God has brought me on so many journeys of already experiencing heartbreak and healing from heartbreak. What I can tell you, honestly, for the person dealing with that right now, A, I know it is not easy and heartbreak is never just this easy thing. And I don't think God wants it to be because I do believe God uses it to help us see more about ourselves, have more compassion for ourselves and for others, and to understand him even more. And I talk about this in my book, but uh, there's an amazing Disney movie called Inside Out. And it basically takes you through the mind of an adolescent girl. And there's five. Yeah. Okay. You guys have seen it. Uh So there's five emotions in the movie and it basically takes you on the journey through those developing emotions and your developing personality. And what I love about this movie that I've seen it now so many times that I think is so profound is the main character, Joy, the emotion Joy, is trying to like make this kid's life the most joyous thing ever. She's like, joy, 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 joy. It can only be joyous. And then the character Sadness keeps coming in to like rain on her parade and keeps like trying to ruin all these memories. And Joy is just so disappointed. She's like, stop ruining everything, sadness. And by the end of the movie, you guys have to see it if you haven't, anyone listening. But by the end of the movie, what's so profound, she has this moment. I just cry and I'm like, this is it. This is life. You know, Um, this is how God has formed our emotions to be. And what you see with all these joyful moments that this child has experienced is so much of those joyful, so many of those joyful moments were preceded by moments of sadness. And what Joy starts realizing is that these moments wouldn't be as joyful for this child if she didn't also experience the weight of sadness and hardship and pain. Mm -hmm. And so it's this beautiful moment where Joy's like, oh my gosh, I need sadness. Like this child needs sadness. That's how she can also experience me, great joy. And so I come back to James, first James, right? Where it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind because it produces steadfastness. And I really, as much as we sometimes hate that, like I believe that experiencing heartbreak doesn't mean that, um, you know, that you're just sad or you, or that you have to compartmentalize it and just be joyful. I really believe that the process of heartbreak, working through that grief and the layers of that grief, which is hard, uh, will bring you to a new level of joy that you've never experienced before previously. And so every single time I go through a heartbreak, I'm like, this sucks. Like I do not like want it to happen again. I'm not like, yay, a heartbreak, you know, who is right. But I also can sit in that and I call 
call it, I have a chapter or a section in my book called how to grieve hopefully. And, and meaning that hope is not the absence of pain because God never promises a life without pain. Hope is knowing and being expectant for the future joy, having faith that God will redeem this, that he will redirect it, that he, that in the meantime, he's also working on me and bringing me closer to him. And there's so much going on behind the scenes. Like God is doing 1000 million things in my life. And I'm only aware of like five of them right now, you know, and there is so much excitement in that, that I can surrender my life to that, you know, like, wow, the God of the universe is working on everything behind the scenes. And I don't know why this had to happen. I don't know why that grief, this grief feels so painful, but I know that God does. I know that he will redeem it. And I bet for anyone listening, if you can look in your life and start noticing the heartbreaks you've had, maybe it's from a relationship, maybe it's from a parental situation or a friendship that didn't work out. If you look back and reflect on the heartbreaks in your life, start looking at how God did show up through time in each one of those because he did. And so often we gloss over it over time. We feel better. We're like, I'm good now, but we forget to look at how God really helped us to overcome each and every one of those pains and hardships. Right. And so remember, think back to the moment that God did show up that through time you realize, wow, he was there. He helped me overcome. He helped me heal just right now where you are in this heartbreak, he will do that exact same thing, like without question. And so I sit here today a few months after that breakup and I can say my heart is still tender. There's still things I'm working through and I'm so excited and expectant and I fully believe that he has a purpose for why that had to happen, when it did, how it did, all of that. And I feel closer to him. I feel more excited about my book on rejection coming out, right? Like, man, the irony on writing a book on rejection and then getting rejected. Like the, it's, it's hilarious in one sense, right? But that's how it works. You know, I should have known. That's how God speaks to us the most. When we step into something, he's like, well, now I'm going to, that's going to be your biggest challenge right now. But I really believe that heartbreak doesn't have to be something we're afraid of. And don't discount your pain. Allow yourself to feel the pain and move through it with God. He is with you and he will continue to direct you. Yeah, I think that Kate, there's somebody listening to this episode right now on the podcast who is letting the fear of rejection hold them back from what God has, a bright future, a hopeful future. And they're also letting the previous pain of heartbreak hold them back from being out there, being active. And I think that my bit of encouragement to that person, um, you're the expert, but I just feel this word coming that Mm. I think that really what I've done, anytime I've, I've faced rejection in relationship and career in any area of life, I've, I've felt like the Holy Spirit's nudged me to just say, reframe that rejection. For example, if somebody breaks up with you and you begin to re-examine and reflect on that experience and you realize they didn't treat me in the way that's congruent with God's word. Or in the, the way they viewed me was not incongruent with the way God views me. And, and things like that. Or you have experience in the workplace where maybe you feel like you were personally rejected. And you go, well, if that's how it's going to be like on that team or with that individual in the dating world, I'm so glad that God spared me from a future with them. Yeah, yeah, and instead yeah. of doom and gloom, there is a bright future absent of them. And, and what's amazing, Kate, is that God 
has a banner over us and it's love. And God says some things about us that he accepts us. Mm -hmm. He loves us. He chose us. He pursues us. And when we operate not for a place of acceptance, but from a place of acceptance, Mm -hmm. man, there's an weight and a freedom and authority Mm -hmm. that comes with that. And one of the questions I'd love to ask you is, would you be willing to share the importance of failure or being told no? Because I want to know, like, what have you experienced with this? What role has this played in determining who you are today? Mm, That's such a good question. I think I have a chapter in my book called The Dreaded F Word. And obviously the F word here that we're talking about is failure, everybody. Okay. Let's just make that clear because it is, we are so afraid of failing. And I think that's really been one of my biggest fears. Um, I am an achiever. I love to perform. I'm always on the top of my class throughout life. And just my biggest thing was, I don't want to fail. I don't want to be seen as a failure. I want people to think I'm a failure. And what I've learned through time though, is that failure is like, first of all, what, what, how do we define failure and why does it have to be such a negative thing? True. I think that we put so much weight on failure equals I am bad or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that instead we can see failure means um, there's a new opportunity that awaits. Oh, and so yeah. if we could see it differently, uh, it, it, like we, it doesn't have to be, it's mm-hmm. literally doesn't have to be as scary. Uh, Failure is also, again, it's a numbers thing. I do believe this. Like you will fail consistently until finally there's a yes, right? You'll receive a lot of no's until you receive a yes. Maybe that's in dating. Maybe that's in work. Maybe that's with friendships. Whatever it is, you will receive a lot of no's before you receive a yes. And I believe that if we just receive yeses, like we wouldn't actually be doing what it says in James 1, producing steadfastness and perseverance. And Mm -hmm. he's character qualities that God wants us to have because we are not promised a life that's full of gumdrops and rainbows and butterflies and we're Mm -hmm. not a Christian and then we transport into candy land. Like this is literally, it's a hard battle and failure is a part of that process. And so I believe that failure doesn't have to be scary, that we can honestly use it as such an opportunity to be redirected to something else. And what are we thinking about ourselves when it comes to failure? Cause that's what it comes down to. If you are seeing this failure as I'm bad, I'm not good enough. I'm this, right. that's when the failure starts defining you in a negative way. But if you can see your failure as like, okay, it didn't pan out as I thought it was going to. What is God trying to teach me through this? How does he maybe want to redirect me? Do I have to shift gears? Maybe I do have to change a few things about myself or my approach or whatever it might be. Or maybe God's saying, this was not it for you. Keep trying, you know, and God will reveal to you what that is. But the failure doesn't mean to give up necessarily. It can mean maybe just redirect things here or maybe keep having the perseverance to keep going. You know, again, going back to that job example, it would be terrible if I applied for one job, I didn't get it. And I said, well, giving up, you know, like that's not how, like you're never going to get a job if you do it that way. So you have to like, okay, if I didn't get the job, how am I going to, let me press forward. Let me apply to more jobs. Like I'm just using that as an example. Mm -hmm. Or if you keep applying in the same field and it keeps being a no, is God revealing like, maybe this is a sidestep. Maybe he's revealing that he wants you to take a little bit of a redirection and to think about a different area in, in which he wants to move you into. Right. So I really think failure is such an opportunity for God's redirection. 
That's so good. I think sometimes our biggest failures have the potential to become our biggest achievements. Yes. You know, and I think about just your story when you were just sharing at the very beginning of like, no, I don't think I want to do a podcast. What? How do like all the what's and how's and who's and why me not me? Like all those kind of crazy questions. And sometimes we have to work through that pain in order for God to receive the glory. And he's like, now I'm going to use you. You're healed. You're whole. And what we view as a failure in life or a lack of success or however we've measured where we want to be in life as a whole, sometimes those are the greatest achievements is that biggest failure. What we thought was a failure, God can use for his glory. And I know our friend um, Ken Coleman, he says, when we hear the word no, no may mean not here or not now. Yes. Yeah. And whether it's a job, whether it's a relationship, like maybe no, not here, not now, you know, like let's move forward until God opens that next door. And yes. I think it's okay to question God and ask them questions along the way. And I was listening to Andy Stanley this morning. He had said this, he goes, there's a difference between questioning God and asking God a question. And I think sometimes we start questioning God in our relationships or relationship journey, but the question, like maybe we could rephrase that. Am I asking God a question or am I questioning God in that, in that process? So if we can even just sift through, you know, those two questions or those two versions of what Andy Stanley says there, I think it'd be super helpful. And, um, Kate, I know that we've come to a part of our favorite part of the the segment. It's so fun. I'm excited. Are you ready? Okay, so we have five questions in five minutes. The first three, I'm just going to randomly choose from this deck of questions. So we don't know what's coming and you don't know what's coming. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. All right. Question one. Wait, and and am I supposed to answer very quickly? Like, how does it work? Okay. Just yeah. five minutes for five questions. Oh, five. That's right. We already went over that. Okay, perfect. Okay. Five and five. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. If you could go back and visit any time period, what would it be and why? Ooh, I would go back to childhood when I, I think I, the, I, when I was young, a young girl, age seven to 10, I was questioning the most about myself. I was trying to figure out who I was and I would just go back and tell her like, you are enough just as you are. I'm sorry that your parents aren't showing up for you the way you sometimes need, but you are enough just as you are. And you don't have to prove that to anybody. That's what I would say. Man, that makes me want to feel emotional, (laughs) y'all. Beautiful. Oh my word. That's powerful, Kate. And this next question I think is fitting. I did choose it randomly, but it says of all the places you've lived, which was your favorite? And the reason I think it's fitting, you mentioned like you've lived a lot of places. So what's your favorite? Um, in college, I studied abroad in Paris and that's my favorite place I lived. I love Paris. I just, it's the most romantic, beautiful cultural city. Like I just think it's, it's just like a gorgeous painting everywhere you go and I miss it so much. And right now I really wish I could be there having baguettes and cheese. Okay. You have to go back. <laughs> Oh yeah. I would definitely live there again. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Question number three, tell a story about the biggest case of buyer's remorse you've ever had. Oh my gosh. Buyer's remorse. That's a curveball there. (laughs) Um, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is I moved across the country from New York to LA and I did a road trip. I was determined to do a road trip and I didn't have a lot of time to buy a car. And I just was like determined to make it happen. So I bought a Mini Cooper and I love actually Mini Coopers. Her name is Izzy. 
But y'all, I did not know what I was doing. And I bought this car. And on the week to 10 day road trip across America, we had so many issues with this car. (laughs) And so my biggest buyer's remorse was not doing more research because I was stuck at the side of the road. There was like so many different things just across the country without service, trying to figure this out. And it was honestly hilarious. It made for an epic road trip with one of my really good friends at the time. But I wish I had done some more research and gotten a little more of a reliable car for that round trip. That's, that's, that's a fun story. <laughs> fun and insightful. Okay, here's the curveball for us. Kate, if you could ask us one question or anything, what would you ask us today? Okay, if you could have dinner with one person that's not Jesus, that's alive today, who would you have dinner with? <gasps> I'll go. You go. I, I know mine. Like Mike and I, we have dinner together almost every night. And and like you said, Jesus is already <laughs> that would be amazing. We have good friends. The one person that I'll just publicly invite that I'd love to pick his brain, Louis Giglio. Oh, I love, I love to it. Have lunch with Louis. So oh, lunch with Louis. That sounds like a podcast episode. <laughs> hey, open the invite, Louis. Anytime I'm free that day for lunch. <laughs> We'll make it happen. Gosh. Okay. One of my favorite people that was actually just on our podcast, his name is Jim Stovall and he is in his sixties. He's blind. He's written over, I think 50 books. Um, just an incredible person to visit with in a short amount of time. I I would just love to hear more about his story of how he lost from how he lost his sight to what God has spoken to how he writes and how he's changed the blind community throughout the globe essentially due to something wow. he saw as a need. So I think he would be a fascinating individual to sit down with and share a meal with. I love that. That's, That's amazing. Question. I love it. Good job. All right, guys. So Kate, as we close and wrap up, Mike is going to ask you this one question. All right. Last and final question. If you could tell a group of college pastors and young adult ministry leaders, one thing, what would you leave them with today? It can be anything dating related, non-dating related, whatever insight you have to share. Okay. Somebody needs the messy part of the story that you're afraid to share. And even if you are a leader, do not be afraid to share in vulnerability. It will be the thing that sets you apart, that strengthens you, that makes you more real to the community around you. So whatever that thing is that you're afraid to admit because through imposter syndrome or through thinking that if they only knew this, they wouldn't appreciate me, respect me. That's the probably the very thing that God wants to use right now in your life to touch and connect and transform people's lives around you and your own life, actually. So that's a great challenge. Praise God. That's good. Somebody you said it. Somebody needs the messy part of your story that you're afraid to tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Kate, I just want to say thanks yeah. for investing in our community of young leaders. We really Aww. appreciate it. Thank you guys for doing what you do. I love seeing an awesome married couple on fire for God. This is what gets me so excited as a single. I'm like, this is amazing. Y'all do not hold out. I mean, like hold out for God's best. Don't right. rush or make something happen. So thank you guys for doing what you're doing. Yes, thank you for <laughs> doing joy. what you're doing. And if you are listening right now and you want to find out more about Kate Mormon, The Heart of Dating, as well as her newest book, thank you for rejecting me. We will link those all on our website at youngadults.today as well as in the show notes at youngadults.today. Until next time, this is Josiah and Micah visiting with Kate Orman. I love it. Woo!
Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Plug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.